Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. Multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, it's officially okay to slow down and take a break. Stop burning that candle at 15 ends. Kids' amazing abilities to push their parents' buttons. Even more tales of genocide straight from the Bible's Book of Joshua. The danger of telling heated people to relax, perhaps a hug instead. Conan is bedtime stories, fever dreams, Italian food, rap music, and is it possible to forgive the universe? And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Taoist Podcast, begins now. Welcome back everybody, episode 62 of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Back again to inflate your brains with some awesome knowledge and get you in a better mood to help fix this rotten planet. Here to help me with my crusade is Mr. Daniele Bolelli. I feel called to a noble task, so I shall not fail in this quest. Woo-woo! And uh, don't fast forward, because we're not just going to do sponsor stuff, but just also random crazy things I want to mention right now. So if you are one of the evil people who fast forward through our early introduction, please do not today. And I might sing again. You never know. Yeah, and you don't want to miss out on no. that, clearly. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the big thank you to our sponsor, Datsusara, with some of the greatest hemp gear you can find anywhere. Bags, t-shirts, geese, a whole range of products. Check it out. Onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T. I have been, uh, you have been, you cranked down a few things as well, right? Yeah, um, I did. did The Buffalo Bars made me a different person. My mom has become an official alpha brain addict. I haven't experimented yet, so I don't know for myself. I'm I'm next in line, but when I got my alpha brain this time, my mom sequestered it, started downing it like an addict, and now she's like, is more coming do, do I get more alpha? She actually said she said that uh, she was complaining about her memory. She felt like her memory was slipping a little bit, and she said that this made a big difference for her. So I'm like, fuck. In that case, by all means, yes, let's get more I alpha. I always brain. liked it. I, I like to use it like as a late night sort of speed thing, is what I would say. You know, back in the day, since mm-hmm. none of that's available thanks to all the meth heads. Um, but it seems to work pretty good to give you a sort of a pick-me-up, for sure. And speaking of dreams, mm-hmm. I had crazy fever dreams because I was ill last week. That's some miserable shit, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. But that's nothing to do with on it or Alpha Brain, so I'll bring that up when we'll we get to dream time. We'll keep it in dream time. Sound good. Holy smokes. But yeah, I'll report about my own Alpha Brain experiences once I left them, which should be soon. In the meantime, I can just not only report that my mom turned into an addict, and supposedly, and she's actually really happy about it, so I guess it's a good thing. I'm forgetting the name of the vegetable energy powder mix again, but I've been liking that in the morning. The apple juice. We forget the name every time. Yeah, we need to remember names, Jesus. Green, Green power, earth, uh, nutrients. Everything ever something. made that was grown. 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, man. It's like getting a mountain of veggies in a spoonful. That works. Yeah. So if you're not into veggies, that's a good way to get the goodies without having to eat tons of them. Uh, sure design. Uh, glorious psychedelic art that happened to come in the softest material on the planet and you get to sport it all over your sexy bodies. I heard a nasty rumor. What is it? I heard Daniele Bolelli sported a non-sure design t-shirt. Oh, God. And, 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 and flaunted this in front of college-age students. God, I would love to deny these rumors, and sadly I cheated. It's true. I'm not it's today. There's got to be a good reason, though, by the oh, way. Oh, there we are. Today I'm sporting a chocolate tie. Uh, it's a strain of weed that um, when uh, Bennett did the whole the weed shirts, the chocolate tie is my favorite. In case you're wondering, Bennett, by the way, is, is um, I'm receiving female compliments on the chocolate tie shirt. I guess it hugs my manly muscles just Ooh. in the perfect way. So there's that. But yes, I'm you know trying to butter you up to eventually confess that I've cheated on shirt design. I'm well, it was bound to happen someday. I figured maybe the Durban Poison shirt was dirty, or there must have been some good reason. Nah, I I received a gift from oh. my multiple time students in various classes Kyla Kyla is awesome she works for uh, British Airways she always hook us up when we fly not I mean of course she can't give us tickets or anything but she'll like make everything she'll greet us there gifts for Isabella things to make the trip easier so thank you Kyla you're awesome and she gave me this t-shirt and I had to cheat because the t-shirt is just so cool it featured I, I was showing it to my dad on Skype the other day and um, I show him, look, I have a Jesus T-shirt. And my dad is like borderline, he's like what? What the fuck? He's like choking on his breakfast and stuff. And he's like, and then I lowered a tiny bit the screen so that he sees the full T-shirt. And there's Jesus riding a Velociraptor. It's a glorious, glorious thing. I realized after the fact that I went to school to teach multiple classes with that shirt on, which I can see how it could have gone badly. But I have, since, luckily, I'm Italian. I've, I've been based around bullshit artists. I know I can talk my way out of it. I was thinking, check this out. This is what I would say. So if they give me shit because it's like, what? This is a shirt that's insulting religion or some shit. You know, it's like something. Because clearly, you know, Jesus riding a velociraptor. I can see how a few people may take it the wrong way. How can you take it the wrong way? It's a damn gift from the Creationist Museum in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yes, I would argue this is the perfect symbol of the unity of religion and science. There you go. It's a way to reconcile segments of our society that are sadly divided. It really, when you look at it, it's a symbol of peace and understanding rather than conflict and bloodshed. I mean, would you prefer would you prefer hatred among religiously minded folk and our secular brethren? Would you per- are you in favor of bloodshed? That's why you want me to remove this shirt. I think by the end of the moment, when, whenever somebody, if anybody brings this up. I'll make them cry before we're done. They'll yeah. be like, I'm sorry, I want one of those shirts too. I think it can be done. But that's where the anger comes from anyway, is jealousy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Italian thing, I have to mention this because it's too... The other day I saw a story that was... It's actually from a few months ago, but it was funny. Um, a circus in Italy grabbed um, a bunch of dogs, painted them 
black and white and did the whole really good job with painting and presented it to paying audience as pandas <laughs> I was like who the fuck does that you know it was like so painfully bad and it's like shameless bullshit artist like come look at our cute panda cubs and you're like woof woof <laughs> to give you an idea of Italian bullshit standards back in um, when they passed the law that you are required to wear a safety belt that it wasn't just an optional thing but you're actually supposed to wear it uh, they started the next day in Naples there was on the street corners street vendors everywhere were selling white shirts with a black stripe across so that you could just not wear your safety belt and not get busted when that's Italy for you that's the environment I grew up in so yes uh, if somebody, who are you telling to do what huh? exactly. how dare you if somebody gave me shit about my uh, Jesus riding the Velociraptor shirt that would be they would be sorry for the day they started. Well, it didn't happen because people came to their damn senses for a few minutes. So. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's... I it's think there's also some shirt. element of disbelief. He's like, he's really wearing that? I can't be... Uh, maybe I'm seeing it wrong. It's... Well, it wasn't Jesus anyway. It was Muhammad. Sure, yeah. That would go well. That I can see how it would Dressed be... Dressed as Jesus. Yeah, I think even my Italian uh, bullshit artist status, I don't think it carries on once you move into Muhammad territory. I don't think there's even room for discussion there. So, yeah, that would go badly. I can see that. Grumpy, grumpy people. But um, anything else... Uh, how about why we just shut up and we jump jump into the episode then I think we'll, it's time. That's yeah. enough of all that. Okay. Let's roll. fact that you don't have to believe in these bullshit Bible stories anymore. But whoops. what did I hear? I, I, I'm sorry, Father Bellelli. I didn't see you standing over there. Come right back. Sit down. Bend over. Whack! <laughs> I repent. Okay. Repent and listen to the story because otherwise okay. these, may, me out. these may... The stories lately have been very confusing to me. What do you mean confusing? Well, you know, Moses is very mean to his own people. God, is it worth even trying with you? Do we even have to just... I just thought it should make <sighs> a little more sense. All right, I'll be quiet. Here's your church story, everybody. Bring me the baseball bat, the one with the spikes attached to it. We need to teach this boy a more Moses serious lesson. Moses stole it to go smite some people. <laughs> Today we actually don't have Moses. Moses has retired. He's done. He's probably tired. He's, uh, yeah, there's um, there's a glory story, by the way. In the, um, the first five books of the Bible are traditionally attributed to Moses. Supposedly Moses wrote them, which would be kind of funny because... Moses being one of the characters in the story, and at one point he calls Moses, or rather the author of one of these books, called Moses, the meekest and most humble of men, Ooh. which if he was Moses writing it, that kind of denied the very statement he just made in, I am the most humble man in the whole world. It's like, And also that makes it slightly problematic because one of the five books describe Moses' death and his burial which, if he has the ability to write something after that, that's quite talented. 
but so but but that again in the traditional version is the five books were authored by moses despite the fact that there are obviously a couple of problems with that theory but in any case aside for such quandaries that may only be the light scholars and other freaks and confused people yeah let's jump into the career of moses successor joshua oh. joshua will be the one that when the Jewish tribes got to the edge of the Promised Land, and uh, it will be Joshua who will take them over the uh, over the edge and uh, into the Promised Land. Problem is, apparently the Promised Land memo didn't get around because there were a bunch of people who lived in the land and were not thrilled with the idea of Jews showing up after centuries of not being there and taking over. So, who made the promise? Uh, God, clearly. And I think he's left those people there without a memo because they wanted Jewish tribes to exercise a little and wanted them to work out for the promised land. Well, so the, you get it, you might as well, you know, earn it. Yeah, I think that's the idea. And the book of Joshua tells us of the Jewish tribes arriving into Canaan, which was basically the promised land. And they start promptly waging genocidal wars against the people living there, following god's earlier instruct instructions with uh, in deuteronomy where i shall quote because this is if you want you know when people put at the football game the john uh, whatever 316 316 exactly i would suggest deuteronomy 2017 um that what makes you say from the holy bible from the holy bible like we have you shall not live alive anything that breathes how's that for a quote well, we seem to be doing a great job of it here on planet Earth. Yeah, you shall not live alive anything that breathes. That's like a chilling genocidal quote. Oddly enough, I think that's the uh, the, the catchphrase for Monsanto. Yeah, that's uh, their company's logo, and it's right under their logo if exactly. you look carefully enough. Exactly. Written in Sanskrit. Yeah. The, um, so Joshua, remembering that these are not hard that's not a hard lesson to remember uh, that's he can manage so as the new leader of the jewish tribes he prepares the campaign of extermination in order to take possession of the land are we literally talking about israel now uh well i mean yeah it will that be called uh, it's right there it's that the area and who's hanging out there at this point um these... what they refer to as the canaanites which are a collection of basically non-jewish people and they don't need to get too much clearer than that wow the um, what happens here is that the first Canaanite city that Joshua will target is the city of Jericho. And in preparation for the invasion to kind of set things up, Joshua sent two spies into the city. And the spies went to visit, well, who do you go to? In a city where you don't know anybody, where's the first place you visit to try to gather some information? Whorehouse. Thank you. That's exactly correct. They Learn that from the Bible. Quote unquote, came on to Rahab. I bet they did. A prostitute in Jericho. And uh, to quote from Joshua 2 1, and Joshua sent two men to spy secretly, and they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. So the king of Jericho found out that there were some foreigners in the area and so tried to have them captured. But Rahab did a good job of hiding them in her house after agreeing that the Jews would spare her and their family if mm. they come in and massacre everybody. I guess Rahab didn't get along with her neighbors all that well. Yes. Or I guess with anybody else's in town. So she was like, eh, kill them all. I don't care. Just spare me and my family. And these guys agreed. So she hid them well. The guards couldn't find them. 
and um, and what she would have to do is that she would have to hang a red cloth from her window so that it's like if you see some red clothing hanging out that's the one place where you do not kill everybody we kill every exactly well that's maybe also Oh God! Did we really? Sting, what are you doing here, buddy? Yeah, he was right. We're here. trying to record. It's good to see you. Just visiting. The um, Sting, Jesus, that well, that's really hanging a red cloth in the wind. So yeah. the, the battle's going down. There's thousands of people swinging swords everywhere. And he's like, but they've got enough concentration. That, oh, that's the red cloth. Don't touch that window. Apparently. And, um, Did it work? Apparently so. Some people argue that this is where the idea of a red light district came from, which could very well be. Maybe it's yes, maybe not. Who knows? In any case, um, so the spies return to Joshua. They provide the necessary information about what's going on in town, what the wall looks like, all of this stuff. And Joshua received these instructions from God that are to march around the city for six days with the priests carrying the horns of a ram in front of the Ark of the Covenant. So it's some, yeah, magic shit going on. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> on, on the seventh day... There's going to be some golden hemorrhoids immediately. There's something is about to happen. On the seventh day, they march seven times while the priests are mm, using the ram's horns as trumpets and blowing into them. And, you know, mm. Joshua does that and then... Uh, at the moment, as they are blowing these trumpets, the entire Jewish army is to shout in unison all of a sudden. And when they do that, the walls of the city collapse. So this fortified city is no longer fortified. And now the people who thought they were hiding inside, they see the whole Jewish army coming at them. So the Jewish army enter Jericho, promptly massacre all the men, all the women, all the children. And to quote again from Joshua 6 2021 and they took the city and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city both men and women young and old and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword why don't you leave the ass alone boys yeah well not that ass coming handy later the other one i wish we had some ass around here but we cut it all up again as in donkey i'm afraid oh oh but um and, you know, this is the beginning. The campaign will later continue with several more acts of genocide and the hanging of an alliance of local kings who are opposing the invasion. But um, this is the glorious story of the beginning of the conquest of the Holy Land that, I mean, what more can you ask? Spies, hookers, betrayals, run off from the guards, uh, magic, trumpet magic, walls collapsing... And, uh, Does it say what the magic word was? Was it like in Dune when they had to go something like that? I picture like the Jewish tribes doing the haka, you know, like the uh, Maori. Uh, that, no, no, the Maori pissed off war dance oh, that they yeah, do yeah. Like, before. They yeah, 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 something like that. That fucking thing is awesome. I watched some drums. A few days ago, I watched like. I don't know, an hour worth of hackers one after another on YouTube. They are so badass. It's just glorious. But in any case, so yes, if you want to remember the words of the Holy Bible, the key, forget John 3.16 or whatever the fuck, Deuteronomy 20.17, you shall not leave alive anything that breathes. That's 
tell me that that's confusing you. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Yeah, but they didn't, remember? They let the people with the red cloth live. So obviously they're not following the rules again, so you got more rule breakers. Okay, let me amend Deuteronomy 2017. You shall not leave anything that breeds except for friendly hookers. That's a good addendum. Okay. But there's one tiny more bit of confusion. What about those Ten Commandments they are carrying around? That's, if you want to get technical, and actually this is how they will explain it to you. Because they're in the Ark of the Covenant all broken and you can't no, read no, them? No, no, <laughs> no. That would be a good way, but yeah. no. Is the one of the commandments, the one that they say about how you shouldn't go around killing people. Yeah, it's a quick, easy one. Not so easy because the guys who want to get technical, they say the commandments say you shall not murder murder is different from killing somebody in warfare and so that doesn't really qualify as murder same thing as also killing somebody through a death penalty kind of thing it doesn't qualify as murder so really the definition of murder become a lot narrower because you just ruled out war and you just ruled out uh um, death penalty cases what about free blanket giveaways covered in smallpox where does that fit in yeah that will be coming up at some point but no that's the so I love that thing because it's like they re- this is really an argument what is it what you're presenting right now this is what our friendly Christian friends will tell us oh yeah how do you get away with all this kill oh yeah I had the discussions with people who were well, like where the fuck does it say anything other than thou shalt not kill uh, I get this was um, it's in the old uh, yeah no this was somebody who was saying no because you know in ancient Hebrew the word that they use for kill is not exactly kill it's murder and so it applies as a much more narrow definition this is what I mean where's when, my bullshit gong at no but this is what I mean about the people make up their own thing as they go it's like even when the meaning seems to be pretty blunt and obvious and just out there there will always be the let me bend over backward to still make it say what I want it to say, you know? And it's like, if it's convenient, it's you shall not kill. If it's not convenient, it's you shall not kill those people in that situation. But feel free to kill anybody else in another situation because that's totally fine. That's exhibit A into pay people making up their own religion. Jesus would not approve. Unless you make him to, because he's not around to contradict you. So. He would not be down with that. <laughs> bullshit. I cry bullshit. <laughs> Where's my baseball bat? Yeah. You need to run fast, motherfucker. Goddamn bullshit gong around here. There it is. <laughs> It's that time of day when we get to ranting. What are we going to rant about today? Let's rant away. I I guess it's a, somewhat of a, the closest thing that I've ever come to a New Year resolution. Ooh. Which, um, one of the things that I realize about my personality is that I tend to push myself too hard. Uh, I don't know if too hard is the right word. Too hard now, for sure. Uh, now I'm pushing myself harder than my energies allow. At other times, maybe my energy allowed it, so that was good. But I also have this perfectionist, gango, 
crazy self-discipline where I'll just work at something always and and there's a point where it becomes diminishing returns. You can even just be doing a million good things and still it's not that healthy if you never relax, you never slow down, you never... You know, there are... Do you ever read the book, um, Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art? Yes. And uh, that advice, which Pressfield goes on for the whole book, but basically in a nutshell, is kind of this go for it. If you have this burning artistic passion, whatever that may be, just it's all about discipline, willpower, put yourself to it. Fighting the uh, resistance. Yeah, exactly, right? And, uh, And I mean, that is good advice. At the same time, there's also something for the exact opposite, which is to do fucking less, slow down, don't push that hard. Because I think is if you are falling in a state of laziness, if you are falling in a state of inactivity, if you are falling into that state of, I would, but I don't dare, I'm gonna distract myself because I'm I'm scared of what, you know, if you are doing all the things that Pressfield talk about in terms of avoiding something that would actually be good for you to tackle, then Pressfield's advice is as valuable as it can be. But there's also, what if instead you are the guy who's doing all those things, who's fighting resistance day and night, but you do that 27 hours a day, and at some point maybe you realize that that not all of life is about doing that, that maybe stopping to breathe, to relax, to slow down. How about all of this? Why the fuck are we consuming energy drinks every second of the day? Yeah. Why is why is worker productivity triple what it was 30 years ago and people are making half of what they were making? And not just productivity of work that you don't give a fuck about, right? Because that's easy. It's like, it's like, yeah, don't do that. If you can get away doing less, do less. It's harder when it's stuff that you do care about. You know, if it was up to me, there are 15 books I want to write right now. There are I have so many ideas that I want to make them all happen. But there's 24 hours in a day and my energy is limited. And what I do realize is that otherwise my tendency is to burn the candles from 15 different ends. And eventually something got to give. And I realized that I have been running myself. I'm my own uh, slave driver. You know, I've pushed way too hard in a way that, what am I doing this for? What the fuck am I trying to get by this? It's like, there's a place where, so my new thing has been, I want to do a lot less. I want to cut down dramatically on the amount of stuff I do, which may sound ridiculous to anybody else because I'll still be doing the work of three regular humans, but I'm not going to be doing the work of seven regular humans anymore. So what, you know, for me, it's one thing that was like one of the coolest things that could have happened to me was uh, this past year I decided, fuck it, to this long, desperate attempt at getting a PhD, you know, I had, I did get two MAs a long time because I needed it to teach. I needed one originally, but I had the stupid idea of doing it in American Indian studies. So good luck getting jobs with that. Then I did a second one in history. And, you know, it was a mean to an end because I want to be able to get the bills paid, the teaching classes in college. But to get a full-time gig, you really need a PhD. And even then, it's still a long shot, but that's sort of the minimum requirement for a full-time gig. So I was like, I guess I'll do this thing because I have to and and I work at it a lot of time. For years, I've been playing with this. As I'm writing books, as I'm doing this, as I'm teaching class, I'm like, okay, I still... And I would 
put energy in it, put energy in it, and the more I did it, the more I realized this is so not me. It's not who I want to be. I don't fucking even understand when they talk to me in that language. Like, I was doing it with a guy who's a sweet, nice human being. Who, if I can do that with him, it's because I can do it with anybody. Because he was trying to help me, you know. He wasn't one of these asshole academics. He was really trying to help me. And I literally, like, I could understand him when he talks to me like a human being. When he suddenly turned on something that deals with academia, suddenly I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I have no idea what you just said. No, because, you know, the post-structuralist theory applied to Foucault. I'm like, okay, I just want to shoot. I don't really want to shoot myself, so I think I'll shoot you instead because this is pulling teeth and it's painful. And the moment when I decide, maybe I don't have to do this, you know, fuck this. I don't want to become that person anyway. I don't want to be a scholar. I want to be me. I want to enjoy life and and I decided fuck this I'm done with the PhD it was like the most liberating thing I was like I felt like I was giving me I was giving myself permission to be me that I was chasing this stupid thing of oh I need the full time gig teaching college and don't get me wrong the money would be nice the work safety would be nice the price to pay for it totally not well plus you, you never struck me as being happy inside that you know no, but, you know, if I'm in there anyway, might as well get paid more. To no, I less. agree with that. I just, so, isn't it amazing how, you know, if you're going to chase all that doctor problem, might as well come out of it with a prescription pad. Yeah, know. yeah, exactly. There's, um, so that was gone. But then the other thing is I decided I'll start, you know, I finished writing the book that I was writing um, that will be com- coming out at the end of 2015. And so immediately my brain is a la Pressfield, you know, they leave about one day and then start writing again, right? And I was like, how about I don't? How about I take a break and slow down a little bit and don't just whip myself into production any second? Because I realized, let's keep it down to four basic things in terms of work. Because, you know, beside uh, raising Isabella, beside all the other stuff, I'm teaching anywhere from six to seven courses in college every semester. That's a bunch right there. And driving the distance to the moon and back to do it. Yeah, there's that. So, yeah, that's okay. So, one, that. Drunken Taoist. I love it. I want to keep doing it. So, great. We have it. We're rolling with it. Drunken Taoist it is. I still, I know I've been saying it for a while, and I know by now you guys say you're full of shit, you're never going to do it. I'm actually doing it, starting a historical podcast. It's just taking a lot fucking longer than I expected because I am doing too many things, so I never have the focus to be able to stay on it for longer than a few days. Then I have to interrupt to do something else. So that's the problem of doing too many things sometimes. But it is coming along. It will happen. It's just a matter of uh, taking a little longer than I would have liked to. But it's still very much happening. I'm adding more. I now have the research done for three episodes. Once I have five episodes, I'll record them all. And then that will buy me time so that by the time I release the first one, I can work on episode six and buy myself time to make it. Because I don't want to start and then say... Uh, sorry, wait five months until the next episode. That would be stupid. Hey, and if that's the way it ends up, that's the way it ends up too. You yeah, know, but at, at least at the beginning, I want to yeah, have no, five episodes that. ready off the bat so I don't have to stress about, oh, six weeks are up, I need to release the next one. It's like, I have it. Great. Let's release the next one. Maybe so. two months if you have to. It's funny you mentioned, you know, 
When has anything ever taken less time than you thought? No, exactly. That's never. So, But there's that. So that's high on the agenda, the historical podcast. So teaching, Drunken Taoist, historical podcast. And then I've been working with um, my friend Pete McCormick. I work with him on... Um, it's kind of a long story, and I'll get into it at some point. But basically, there's an opportunity for a screenplay. We have been playing with it. And uh, let's see... Let's see where that goes. Let's see if that goes anywhere. That pretty much is done because I did the, the one episode pilot that I was asked to do. So my job is done. Now it's a matter of whether they sell it or not. If they sell it, great. Then I'll do more. And if they don't, they don't. It's done. It's over. I don't need to do anything for it anymore. And if I do have to do it, it's because it's a good thing. So it's a win-win either way. Uh, that's it. This it. This is it. You know, I don't want any other thing for a while. Other books? Fuck no, I can't. Uh, I want to keep it to... And I find something that really... Like what I need the most is... Slow down. Eat dinner. Sit outside. Look at my garden. Breathe. Be lazy if I feel like it. Be gentler to myself. You know, just... I need it. I need it, I need it, I need it way more than I need uh, having author three more books. In, that's great, and I want to do it. You know, there are so many things that I've written notes, and I'm like, God damn, that's a great line. I can't wait until I have that published somewhere. But in the great scheme of things, it's more important to also enjoy life as it's happening rather than constantly feeling that until I produce this thing I can't enjoy it and then when I finish this one well start over on the next one yeah let's not let's uh, I will eventually eventually be in the keywords you know it's like I want to have more fun and I want to drive myself not quite as hard which is difficult when it's not just about jobs you have to do this is this is all stuff i love doing there's none of this that is bad but again you need a balance in it all you need to be able to also have the time to kick back and not feel guilty if you are taking four hours to do nothing because that's how i feel anytime if i'm not in front of a computer typing away doing stuff i'm feeling like oh my god my lord i'm committing a scene or some shit you know it's crazy I mean, that's the way they lash us to work as hard and as fast as you possibly can. Yep. I remember there was a time in my life where we were so overworked on a show that we would deliver an episode, race it to FedEx for delivery, and go home and celebrate afterwards? No. Right. Go back to work and get the next episode going. Yeah, which is... I lived like that for three years. Yeah, that's not a good way to live. You need uh, you need to fucking pat yourself on the back and then just go back to enjoying life because it's not all about producing shit. No, and I'm tired. Ty- I'm frankly so tired of running on the damn gerbil wheel. And and well, what for? I have a tube in case. Yeah, I heard need, about that. Yeah, the, um, I think what it is is it really depends who you are. You know, if you are feeling the frustration of, God damn, I have all these ideas that I would have liked to materialize and I never got my lazy ass around to do it, then you need to push yourself harder. And scratch everything I said, you need to do the exact opposite. You need to be just being willpower, discipline, drive, and make it happen. But not everybody's in that place. There's, in my case right now, I've been doing too much. 
and I need to slow down. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I am slowing down and I like slowing down. And again, slowing down is ridiculous. It's like, yeah, slowing down will be doing two podcasts, write a screenplay and teach more than full time in college. So clearly slowing. All while raising daughter by yourself. Yeah. So yeah, there's, that's slowing down. But, uh, but it feels like it. You know, I don't feel quite as overwhelmed with shit. And I feel it's a healthy step that I'm happy I'm taking. Good. Because you seem much more relaxed and much more healthy the past few days, past few weeks. That's sativa. Uh, I, I think, meant I that's... Think, I think it's the mushrooms. But. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know what, but I do feel a little better about life. And I do feel that I'm not, I'm not pushing myself that hard and it's a great feeling. Wild Thing herself singing along. It must be time for an Isabella moment. Indeed. Two of them. Let's go with two Isabella moments. So one that um, has been an ongoing thing that sometime I notice. Kids have a particular talent for being able to push your buttons. And even when they are sweet and nice, and it's not even a critique of any particular kid. It's just it's part of their job description is they need to push their buttons. Otherwise, they're not doing their job. So inevitably, there are times when I'm like, God, I just got so mad, frustrated, especially when I'm trying to do things quickly and she takes forever and she gets distracted and she starts. Yeah, I hit that like you wouldn't believe, right? So there have been times less and less over time. It's getting easier progressively, for sure. It's way easier now than it was a year ago and it was way easier then than it was the year before. So it's getting considerably easier. But there are still times when smoke start coming out of my ears and I begin to just... <laughs> I just get mad and I'm ready to explode. And, you know, I don't like it because when it gets really bad, then I'll yell at her and I feel horrible about myself because it's like, you asshole, you just yelled at a five-year-old. What the fuck is your problem, you know? Really? It's like, that's the way we want to do it because she wasn't quick enough to it's like, come on man you are a horrible human being and you need to be punched but sometimes you're in a goddamn hurry yeah there's that too so in fact i understand it i i have kind of a, a schizophrenic thing there because i completely understand why i do it and also i completely understand why that's fucked up to do it so i'm conflicted i don't want to do it she clearly doesn't want to ye- be yelled at so we try some time to have a deal i'm like is jesus christ help me out here you know I don't want to yell at you. You don't want to be yelled at. Can we work together here? You know, let's just, we have a common goal here. Let's work on it together. Just don't piss me off. (laughs) I'll try to exercise extra patience and you try to realize that when I'm telling you the keywords will be, I'm getting mad. That means please pay attention before I blow up. But unfortunately, in the child's mind, sometimes that gets diverted that I'm getting mad. There's a little guy in the corner who goes, what? Mad? Time to push buttons. Yeah, for the most part, I have to say she's good about it. She tends to, if nothing else, if she does that, he would relieve me of any sense of guilt for yelling at her. So that would be okay, at least. And most of the time, instead, she will 
switch gear and she'll try to but the best is this one thing she'll do that when I'm getting really kind of she sometimes will ask me do you need a hug and I'm like yeah I kind of do and she'll come up and just give me a hug and I'm trying to explain to her why I'm mad and why you know I don't want to be mad but the thing you are doing and she'll just go she'll just shush me she'll be like no just be quiet just hug me and just like she'll make me shut up and just hold there and nothing else for like 30 seconds a minute something if I try to break it up and talk she'll be like nope you you are not getting the exercise right you need to be quiet for a while and just hold me and it works like a charm because afterwards after a minute I'm like yeah I'm not mad anymore it's okay you know so it's um, it's a glorious brilliant technique she has developed not to be yelled at and to actually calm me down so when I am reaching that point of boiling point where I'm about to explode it bring me down five notches right away and uh, and I'm getting an awesome hug so everybody wins I'd be interested to see how that advances he gets older because um, my youngest favorite thing to do when I start to get heated is to say hey man relax really no that would make me no I'll relax when I'm goddamn getting ready to relax. You the fuck me run dress some of them. Yeah, no. Relax, I say some relax. Telling somebody who's getting mad to relax is a recipe. It's like you want to die, basically. You're asking the universe to squish you in that moment. It's a bucket of gasoline on a fire, for sure. Yeah, that's... And you know it's not by accident. No, you don't want to. So, yeah, hug it may be better. Yeah, I'm going to make... Holding you tenderly. Yeah, that's a good policy. It's hug time. You want me to relax? I need a big hug. Yeah, and be quiet for a while. I'm going to crack a big fart while I got a hold of you. But... Keep you in steam. (laughs) You are evil. Payback's <laughs> a bitch. Well, second, um, this is a curious one, but I started running out of bedtime stories once in a while. It's like she'll ask me for another story. No, but a different one. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't know. I'm lost now. I, I've told you seven million different stories. So sometimes I reach into whatever comes to mind in that moment. And, of course, that led to me starting to read to her not actually read, but teller paraphrase from Robert E. Howard collection, some of the Conan the Barbarian stories. Bicrom. And she loved them. She was totally into them. So I was like, oh, okay, that buys me quite a few nights because I know a lot of Conan stories. That's excellent. One of her absolute favorite is The Tower of the Elephant. She dug that one quite a bit. And, um, you know, so that continues for a while until a couple of days ago she... Um, she finds out, oh, we were in the car and I was playing some music and the Conan soundtrack came on and she's like, ah, this is great. I like this music. What is it? It's like, oh, it's the soundtrack for the Conan movie. She's like, Conan movie? They made a movie out of Conan stories? I'm like, yeah, actually, they made multiple, but there's only one that counts. The other one were all crap, but there's the original John Milius Conan. Yes, that's a glorious movie. And she's like, can we watch it? And I'm like, what could possibly go wrong about watching Conan the Barbarian with a five-year-old clearly nothing so let's watch it so so we cuddled up I was like it was literally the moment of greatest parental excitement I've had in a long long time that was just like thrilled it's like I can't believe this is a rite of passage this is glorious and so we cuddled up on the couch and we started watching Conan and um, she loved it she was having a blast. There was only one scene that I kind of fast forward on because um, 
there's a scene when uh, Conan is having sex with this witch, and it's not the sex part that bothered us. There was another sex scene, and we're you know that one was okay. It's like it she, violent, didn't it? Yeah, no. Well, that one, yeah, because it's this in the middle of random sex. This lady changes face and she turns into a vampire. Yeah. Or tries to that would have freaked her out, and she would have remembered that face in the night, never-ending nightmare. So I was like, yeah, we fast forward on this one. And then the rest was okay. The rest was fine. She, I fast forward one part where it was getting a little slow and she was getting bored. Um, but that was very quick because there's not much, many slow points in Conan, that's for sure. And then it was hilarious. There were moments where, like, I would, um, I would stop. Like, you know, maybe Conan, the girl who fell in love with Conan in the movie at one point goes like, Okay, we got all this money, we are set, we robbed everything we could rob, but we are now, you know, we don't need to go on this crazy suicide mission. Why don't we just take off and live happily? And so I paused the movie. I'm like, yes. So this is what she says. Do you think Conan's going to go for it? She's like, mm, mm, mm. no. I'm like, why? Why do you think Conan's not going to go for it? What is that he wants? It's like, he wants revenge. I'm like, you pass the test with flying colors. <laughs> A pluses. You got it. So, yeah, the he wants revenge. She, and today I heard her. She was telling the story of Conan. Um, it's like to somebody else. I was so proud. I wanted to cry. There's going to be a phone call from school very soon. You understand that. There may be, especially because at the end of Conan, the first thing she asked me, because I guess she heard about it. So she's like, so I watched Conan. Do you think... Am I ready for Game of the Thrones? And I was like, yeah, maybe after Pan's Labyrinth. I don't think I'm ready for Game of Thrones. So yes, there's uh, maybe not little, quite. Wait for a few things. I explained to her, Game of Thrones is fucking sad. There's a lot of horrible things that happen that make you really, really sad. Conan, at least, there's this. Yeah, horrible things happen, but there's this revenge team that keep it going, which is something that is is very familiar with and excited about she's uh, revenge is something she gets to say the least so that part you know she'll uh, and I think I was thinking about it you know why beside the fact that I'm a psychopath and so she may pick it up from me but where else does this thing come from and I realized because she had a kind of a hard life already and uh, and she flat out said it to me the other day she goes like you know what I wish this was in the Conan context, so that may explain the conversation. But she goes, I wish that um, if my mom had to die, I would have wished that he, somebody killed her rather than she died of disease. And I was like, why is that? It's like, because then I would have somebody to hate. I would have somebody that I can go after and I go and kill them, you know, and there's a, and I get my revenge. And I was like, that actually in an odd kind of way that makes perfect sense yeah. because it's so much easier to have an enemy that's your scapegoat that's the one that you focus on the fact that you're pissed at the universe be mad at the universe is so impersonal that you know it's not as easy to channel it it's not as easy to have that feeling so that idea of like how she wants somebody a figure that would be the one that she focuses on. I want my revenge. I'll do like Conan and chop your head off by the end of the story. I was like, fuck, man, I understand it. I understand where it comes from. I understand why you dig that story of revenge. I understand why you would want that because it's mentally a lot simpler than the cards that you have been dealt with. So I kind of got it, you know. It made sense to me. 
Is there any hope that maybe she could forgive the universe? Because I just hate the idea of this little kid carrying that ball of fire around inside of her. And I understand why. Yeah, I don't know. You tell me. Like, I mean, I don't see it. How, how would you think that happens? I, I only say that because I, I did a movie on forgiveness. And like when you look at like the Rwandan kachachas and things like that, amazing things happen. Sure. When people will stand up and... Uh, like in Rwanda, if you tell me where my people's bones are buried... So I can give him a proper burial and admit to what you did. You're forgiven. Yeah, I remember you told me that story multiple times. And every time is a great story to hear because it's so powerful. And at the same time, it's so foreign. And I mean, let's take me out of the equation of this completely. Yeah, I don't don't know. I wouldn't be able to explain it to his. I don't know that I would be able to convey that to her. And uh, she certainly does not seem... She seemed to dig very much the revenge idea, and she's That's angry. just heavy for a five-year-old, though. It just kind of makes me sad for her a little bit. And yeah. And, and, and granted, the yeah. whole situation is sad to begin yeah. with, so there's nothing to really fix it. But I only mention it because I did see that, and I came to the conclusion that until your family is executed in front of you, that capacity probably doesn't even open up. Yeah, you know? but I mean, in a case like these, I don't know. I don't know what that means in terms of... Uh, yeah, I would love for that to happen. I would much, much rather ever feel at peace with the universe, at peace with what happened, at peace with all of it, than be in this... Uh, it just seems like mode. there's a window there where we could figure something out to help her out. You know, that, yes, the universe dealt you some bad cards, but the universe also let you have an awesome mother for a moment that got you here. Yeah. And that, that's a gift, you know? Yeah. And, yes, you were shortchanged, but running around angry with a ball of fire in you that you can't shoot at anybody is just going to burn you. Yeah, I agree. I just don't know no, that. No, I don't know how to fix it either. Yeah, but yeah, it just, yeah. That's just a thought I had. You know? No, no, the thoughts make perfect sense. I agree with you. You're right. You know, there's not even an argument there. It's just the how to make it happen is the part that... Um, well, now i got something to do. Yeah, now you have... Uh, you got homework to... Um, especially because, you know, I've tested like i see how she reacts when people try to sort of sweeten the deal a little bit she gets angrier sure it's like fuck you don't try to take don't try to paint it in rosy colors never try to to make light um, of it in any way i just would try to communicate that yes you got a bad deal right but you don't have to carry the fire with you and in fact i mean the one thing that the closest that i've ever come to is the argument, you know, when she's sad, when she's bummed, when she feels kind of this heaviness, is to convey the, look, wouldn't you, wouldn't you do anything to be able to do something for your mom? And she's like, yeah, of course, you know, I would anything. And I'd be like, well, there's one thing and one thing only that you can do, which is what she would want more than anything, and that's for you to find a way to be happy. Yep. And uh, and she gets that, you know, and she, she you know, she tries. She gets it, and I think it is there, and she, it is there, is not there 100%, because there's another side that, you know, one side that accepts that, and then there's another side that say, I want to be able to kill some motherfucker sure. because I'm angry. No, I don't. I don't don't paint it as being anything remotely easy or anything mm-hmm. like that either. There's no chance of it. Right. But it's just, wow, she's so little, mm-hmm. and she shows so much amazing compassion for other folks. Mm-hmm. Maybe she could drop a little bit the universe's way and just cut it a break. Yeah, that would be that would be good. 
I'm uh, I'm. Your Uncle still... Rich only worries about you, Izzy. This is not trying to make anything confusing or bad. No, no, no. I mean, that's per- that is what. It's healing. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's just hard to pull it off. It's very, very hard to pull it off. And um, and in, at the end, I mean, you can sort of plant seeds, but nobody else can do it for you. Of course. That's so always the there's, case. Um, and yeah, the closest that I was able to do is throw those seeds out. That's about as far as I could get. Mm. But um, yeah, by all means, if something else comes to mind, please let me know. I'm just going to, you know, we did a lot of research on that. and We weren't really focusing on children, but they were definitely affected in insane ways. So. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. The best thing would be if everybody start being a little nicer to each other as a whole planet. So handing her a sword instead and say, go seek your vengeance is not the way to go, huh? It just seems that it could end up horribly, incorrectly focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I No, I agree. It's um, still watching Conan. But I'm until, glad you guys had fun watching Conan. Yeah, that was... Um, those are great moments like that. And plus, collect them all you can, my friend. Yeah, it's a uh, high... My, my daughter's coming back for the first time since August. Wow. She That's was home 71 time. hours. Whew. And we're jonesing. Yeah, I don't think I'm equipped for that culturally. Even like growing up in Italy is like, that's just such a foreign concept that, no, it's like... Well, if it wasn't for Skype, none of this would have been possible. No, no, so of course. But it's like, oh, you want to go to college where? Oh, you're moving to Boulder, Colorado. Okay, let me start looking for a place for me because I think Boulder, Colorado sounds... Sounds lovely. Yeah. I hear they have some new uh, medicines on sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, that's not something that I'm comfortable with in terms of there are not that many people that I really like in life so I kind of want to live close to the ones I like and so that's the game in any case all the power to Conan I have a dream today and now we cross the Ethereum plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time dream time everybody what do we get this week nothing I dreamt nothing. So Well, that's because I stole them all from everybody on the planet. Tell me. I had a shitty cold last week. It was like fever. It may have been flu-esque. Mm-hmm. And when I get flu, I get fever dreams. Mm, have that you ever doesn't had sound things? good. Oh, it's the worst thing. It's endless, unfinishable tasks presented to you. Oh, God. That you toil upon for what feels like an eon, only to wake up and find that nine minutes have passed. Gee, that does not sound like fun. It was no fun at all. And I was like, I, I must clearly be an insane person. But I Googled it up. No, it, you're just feverish. Well, yeah. yeah. And it just has something to do with, you know, your brain is a revving and a lot of the things that are either shut down or because you also get, I also get animated as well. Because right. apparently we are paralyzed when we go into REM sleep so we don't smack or fuck or, right. you know, do something inappropriate. And that's also discontinued hmm. so hmm. it was uh, it was like three days i used to think it was the nyquil or whatever but it may just be fever dreams uh make you make your brain boil a little bit and in an attempt to cool it down to its nominal temperature um generates all sorts of insanity is that okay well i i do remember fever dreams actually i don't remember the content but i know exactly what you're talking about where you just feel like hell and you're like this sucks wake me up already because this is terrible 
Yeah. So, sorry, man. I feel your pain. Well, there you go. But... That's why I didn't have any dreams. I was, I was busy cranking like a thousand people's dreams out. Well, I'm glad that I didn't. Because if those are the dreams I would have had, I'd rather have nothing. Than... No fun, man. Literally trying no. to literally trying to sew air together. Yeah, that sounds like... Almost like working in Hollywood, right? Just same thing. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't mean to get you started. But okay. yes, I know your feeling. I just way to kick you when you're down. That's no, just... I'm not down. It's just... Yeah, but so oh, that's dream time. Yeah, the Bro- broken dream time. Yeah, I know. Rich is like crappy, <laughs> feverish dream. I have none. Sorry, we suck. Yeah, it's not the week for the dreams, y'all. Be happy we even mentioned it. There was talk of skipping it all together. <laughs> It's story time, everybody, brought to you by our friends at Sure Design T-shirts. Unless you're some Velociraptor Jesus shirt wearing person who doesn't want happy nipples. Sorry. But, yeah, story time. So I happen to notice that a whole lot of people that I know that are pretty close to me uh, happen to hail from the Philippines. Which, you know, LA, there's people from everywhere, of course, but for some particular reason, there are a lot of Filipinos in my immediate circle of friends. So there's, um, I want to mention a few of them, since uh, today's story time will have precisely to do with their land and a very, one of probably the most important political story of the second half of the 1900s in the Philippines. So let's say a quick hello to Mr. Mardon Mercado. Marlon is, is funny. I've known him for a really long time, and um, I'll go on a detour to bring Marlon in. There's uh, Isabella was, um, there was a day when she was pissed with me because she's like, you have a small family. You have no brother. You have no sister. So that way I don't have an uncle. I don't have an auntie. What the fuck? You know? She didn't say what the fuck, but that was the message. Well, she's yelling at the wrong person anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the, also that part. Top and, of the uh, hill, kid. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so she was like, I want an uncle. I want, you know, it's like, I'm like, yeah, what am I going to do? Make him out of thin air? What do you want me to do? You know, it's like, he's like, I want to pick and can Marlon be my uncle? And I'm like, Marlon, let me ask. So I called Marlon. I'm like, hey, you want to be Isabella's uncle? He's like, of course, it would be an honor. So uncle Marlon it is because he was you know he was super close to he was they were really good friends with Elizabeth you he has been really good friends with me he's a hell of an awesome human being so yeah it was uh it was Isabella was very very happy to well, have uh, any good uncle would take his brand new niece to Jollibee for a holla holla that's well if he, these are good Filipino folks they know exactly what I'm talking about he every single time he visits he brings uh, a bunch of random uh, edible gifts and by edible I don't mean as in medical marijuana I mean as in actual Filipino stuff and Isabella is thrilled and downs it with pleasure so there's that there's uh, and then some of the other folks that uh Anthony Formoso, Anthony, I've known him from Jiu-Jitsu for a long time, really cool guy. Uh, Lizelle Gaspi, Lizelle was one of, she helped me out a bunch early on with Isabella and uh, kept my mental sanity going at the time when, and she became a really good friend as well. 
Krizan uh, Napalan, also Metro through Jiu Jitsu, also friend of Lizelle and great human being, and Ernestine Segura. I think Segura, I have no idea how to pronounce your last name because I never have, but also Ernestine, great. And it was funny, it's like when talking with Isabella, she was like, Where's so and so from? And she's like, Oh, she's Filipina. And where's so and so from? Oh, he's Filipino too, same, same place. And where? And I realized, Damn. I guess I do know a lot of the people who come visit us are Filipinos. So that's where, so in their honor today, a story that's the biggest, really like one of the big stories coming out of the Philippines in the second half of the 1900s. When it comes to politics, this is it. Today, a lady. I like having stories with powerful ladies. And for once, I was searching for a lady that is not just taking a warrior role, which as much as I love kind of tough warrior women it's not always about just shooting somebody in the head that makes you cool there are a few other ways that you can become a cool human being and this lady is not associated with any violence or rather on the receiving end perhaps but definitely not in an active format and yet she's as badass as it gets now i fully expect to get email of people telling me oh you didn't know what she did that one time that was terrible after she took power i'm totally open to the possibility that there may be dark side to the personality that I do not know, but the stuff that I do know is really badass. lady we're talking about is a Filipina by the name of Corazon Aquino. Corazon Aquino grew up, uh, when was she born? 1930s, something like that, 1933, I believe. She um, ended up marrying this guy, Benigno Aquino, nicknamed Ninoy. He was a young politician, and she just played the good uh, wife of the politician, supporting her husband's career when he was elected senator. They had five kids. She was dealing with the five kids at home. She was just plain good housewife. Um, what happens is her husband becomes one of the top opponents of the dictator of the Philippines at this time, Ferdinand Marcos a guy who had been in power since 1965 and wasn't exactly about to relinquish power anytime soon. By 1972, her husband was uh, thrown in jail for eight years because Marcos, as generally speaking, most dictators, they are not known for appreciating criticisms all that much, so they tend to respond with harsh measures. So, so you're saying this Vladimir Putin thing from a week ago, of shooting the, uh, that's, that's nothing new? That's clearly a coincidence. It has nothing to do with that. Well, I didn't think they were related, but really? Yeah. The strong arm guys are shooting up places and throwing people in jail? And If you're a gangster, you're a gangster. You do what you got to do. And in this case, Marcos was... Uh, he's almost the stereotype of the bad dictator, you know? He's just a miserable asshole in horrible ways. and he, Silly uniform. Yeah, the whole thing. That And so her husband got thrown in jail first for multiple years, then was exiled to the United States. Finally, by 1983, so a long time after the whole contrast with Marcos began, he was allowed to return to the Philippines. And there's footage. You can go on YouTube right now and see the actual plane arriving where you see this guy, her husband, you know, he was uh, on the plane talking with journalists as the plane is descending and basically saying, you know, they're asking, what do you expect is going to happen? You know, what do you think is going to happen? Can they come after you? Can, uh, you know, because there was clearly a bit of tension about it. And he's like, 
entirely possible, you know, it's like entirely possible that, but you know, if they come out and kill me, basically I have no regrets. This is what, you know, I'm going home, I'm going to my home, I'm going to the Philippines, I'm returning home, and uh, let's go play the cards right now. And he made it exactly how far? And yeah, a total of probably 12 steps off the plane, because what happens is, yeah, you see it, you see the guys going, and it's actually kind of creepy because you see the military coming onto the plane and to escort him out, and what happens is most people think that is one of those guys that you see in the video who's right behind him who's gonna shoot him in the back who's gonna shoot him right then and there. Somebody shoot him within seconds of stepping off the plane. Marcos will say, Ah, some other crazy political opponent must have done it. But I'm gonna investigate it and find out who's behind this evil plot. Oh, it wasn't me. Turns out it clearly was, you know, a hit place the and probably yeah, the creepy thing is that as you see those images he probably one of those guys that you see in those images maybe the guy who pulled the trigger so yeah her husband gets gunned down within seconds of stepping off the plane and you know his family is there and everything is horrible right it's this nasty a reminder that yes the philippines in 1983 are a brutal dictatorship still the um, yeah, I wonder what happened in the Philippines past that caused it all to go asunder. Maybe the Spanish-American War? You damn always trying to blame the United States. Well, I just saw it on the TV. Just go hide in a corner. We're talking yes. about okay. bad Marcos. Bad bring, Marcos. Bring the United put, States. Put into power by the... The um, what happens at this point is there were a bunch of people in the Philippines who had it with Marcos. So there was a lot of opposition was growing to him. Uh, and you know he didn't give a fuck because he's like I have the army I have the muscle to squash you so complain all you want doesn't matter but economic problems in the country were getting progressively worse while Marcos bank account was getting larger and larger so clearly there's an issue there uh, Corazon Aquino find herself now that her husband is dead that all the spotlight is on her and she basically stepped up and took his place as the leader of the opposition against Marcos awesome and again, keep in mind, you've never really been the politician. You've been the housewife behind the politician. You just saw what happened for stepping up against Marcos, and your husband just got shot in front of you because of stepping up. And now you take that role. Marcos decide, you know what? 1985 has been, what, 30 years, 20 years since, I, 20 years since he took power. It's time to have an election. You know, I'm going to show that I have popular support. So he calls for an election. And, you know, Corazon Aquino didn't want to run, but then a bunch of people, like a total of one million people assigned a document to ask her to run for president. So she's like, okay, I'm running. And, you know, Marcos, during the campaign, tried everything to put her down in very sexist kind of way. He was like, ah, she's just a woman and her place is in the kitchen. and the, That'll do it. And the bathroom, That'll teach those of. girls to stay out of the damn polling place. Talk to them like that. Yeah, and, and Aquino was, uh, she was funny. She she would say, uh, made a better woman win in these elections. Ooh. You know, there was that. The When he started attacking the fact that she's not a politician, she doesn't know anything. When she, you know, she raised five kids, she doesn't know shit about politics. She said, you're right. You know, I have no experience in cheating, lying to the public, stealing government money, and killing political opponents. So, yes, you're right. I, I absolutely have no experience in this game. Also awesome. So, talk about... I mean, she was so cool. And um, the elections were held in 86, and Marcos, surprise, surprise, was declared the winner. 99%! And, 
Yeah, pretty much, right? And of course, it was election fraud. And even like the Catholic Bishop Conference in the Philippines, U.S. Senate, they were all like, yeah, this is shady. Even Reagan was, uh, yeah, it's a bit disturbing, these reports of election fraud. You know, Marcos was clearly becoming the losing horse. He had been the winning horse for a while. You would bet on him. Now it was clear that he had alienated his own people so much that his power base was eroding. Nancy, uh, my astrologer says that uh, something fishy there in the Philippines. Yeah, that Marcus is about to go. So that when Aquino started, um, she started organizing all these peaceful, non-violent demonstration, protest, boycotts of all the businesses owned by Marcos. She gained a lot of popular support. Tons of Filipinos were participating in this. Marcos tried to crack down, ordering troops to go after the protesters, but even the troops weren't into it anymore, so they did not shoot one time against them. They kind of let them do their thing. And so by now, Marcos gets that his time is up, so grab your money while you can and run away, which is exactly what he'll do. And, uh, and Corazon Aquino finds herself becoming the first female president of the Philippines, and uh, and this is where it gets even weirder. At one point, when after her first, you know, she did a bunch of things during her first term, she succeeded in paying four billion of the country's debt during this time. So she did a lot of really interesting stuff. She closed Guantanamo too. Yeah, not exactly, but oh. the um, in uh, in 1992 they asked her to um, run for re-election. You know, she her term was up. It was time to step up again, and she was like, nope. She wanted to set the precedent that I'm not gonna fucking hold on to power. We just had a guy who held on to power forever. I came in, I did my term, I did my best. Now first time for somebody else to step up. And that was that, man. And, uh, I mean, talk about a hell of a story. Talk about an intense, powerful woman. And you look at her picture and she's this tiny little woman who probably would have perfectly content minding her business and never stepping up in the public light ever. And yet, you know, she got put in the spot in the public light, whether she liked it or not. Well, definitely in a way that she didn't like, considering he was you know, when your husband gets gunned down in front of you. And she took the role, ran with it, and led essentially a political revolution, peaceful political revolution. What kind of threats do you think she received? From I mean, I'm sure they threatened her children Of daily. course, of course. And um, But yeah, that's some... Um, so you want to check out a badass Filipina, Corazon Aquino is the one. That's fantastic. That works, right? Now go to Philippi and get a get a a holla holla. Huh? There's a Filipino fast food restaurants in L.A. Oh, I'm missing out on that. You are missing out. They have a dessert thing that's like 20 things that should never go together. <laughs> like bean curd and, 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 and yam-flavored slushy oh. and shit like that. Just sounds yeah. like ridiculous. That sounds awesome. Well, I saw it on Anthony Bourdain, so I went to check it out because they also have spam sliders. Just insane food. Anyway, Philippi. There's there's five of them in L.A. Yeah, and um, a friend of mine and I went, and we had to have a holla holla because, you know, that's just right. what you do. So this stack of insanity is handed over, and I was on my non-sugar moment oh, back God. then, so I wasn't having one. <clears throat> and he starts picking at the top. Like, the, yeah. I'll have the yam yogurt first, and then and everybody's laughing at him. Because we're the only gringos in the place. Of course. 
And a little lady leans over. She says, they call it holla holla because that means mix it, mix it. Right. Because if you don't mix it, it doesn't work. So he mixed it, and he was smiling like a motherfucker because it's awesome. That good, huh? So, a few months later, that was it. I had to have one. Seems fair. Mix it, mix it. They are awesome. Really? It's this crazy just wash of flavors that work perfectly together. Okay. So that's my Filipino recommendation. You know, if, when we find ourselves in downtown LA, there's one down in Koreatown. You know, I was thinking about it. Like a ton of people I know, friends, are Filipinos. In it, in uh, I don't know if it's an LA thing because I was thinking about it and uh, you know, is um, yeah, Isabella was telling me, oh, where's so and so from? And I'm like, oh, the Philippines. And then, oh, about this person. Oh, the Philippines too. And oh, about like a bunch of people. Yeah. There's uh, several people that are probably some of the closest people. I are think there's Filipinos. a pretty big Filipino town. I think it's down towards yeah. Torrance. Where yeah, the, there's that. There's um, Because there's great places. There's, like, there's nothing I love than a foreign grocery store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go in and is this an aquarium or is this a fish market? Because you're not really sure. Well, it's time to reach deep inside the virtual mailbag to see what sort of digital awesomeness has arrived. Here we go. Shield your eyes. Put your visor into place because it's mail time. Mr. Mark Strozier. I'm not going to answer your question right now because uh, there's an awesome Tom Robbins quote that I don't have handy right now and I want to use it for. So I'll keep your question for next time. Uh Chris, I have no idea how to pronounce your last name. I would take a guess. Menchacha, Menchaka, something like that. Sorry, man. Anyway, Chris, I can pronounce that. Um, ask it's, me. It's Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be like. Now, he asked about, uh, he noticed that I seem to have an affinity for Mr. Eminem. And um, he mentioned how to him, you know, he really dug rap. He's something that helped him a bunch in several ways. You know, a lot of rap sucks, especially the way it has become. But also, you know, there's um, it has become, you know, there's kind of some negative association about rap, of course, because there's been so much crap surrounding it. At the same time, there's also some amazing stuff. There's some pure poetry put in rhymes that are brilliant. And so he dig it in any case. And he enjoyed the one that has that angry edge to it, a la Eminem. And so the question goes into any other rappers that I like, or and then top five Eminem songs. Um, you know, my thing with rap is I don't. There are not that many genres that I listen to religiously, and rap is definitely not one of them. Is uh, but most rap I don't particularly dig, but there's just like any other genre there's something that I'll find that I absolutely love, right? There's things like, hell, I hate country, but Johnny Cash is an idol, or Willie Nelson is fucking badass, you know? It's like, that doesn't make me like country, but still, there are those guys I can listen to all the time. Um, Similarly, this happened with a bunch of things. Rap, I haven't, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that I don't particularly like. Of course, you know, Tupac, how can you not like the, you know, Tupac is a god, He's, uh, he's brilliant, fucked up in a lot of ways, did some crazy shit, but at the same time, some of his, you know, from the sweet kind of Tupac a la Dear Mama, which is a really sweet song, 
in uh, I played it for Isabella the other day. She became a Tupac fan after that. She was to go with her Conan movie. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. But again, it was it's easy to like Dear Mama, right? It's a well, such like a Tupac mellow. He keeps it rocking. But then there's also you go from Dear Mama, sweet song to his wonderful Mama, blah blah blah. Which, by the way, is what I always regularly play for Mother's Day for my mom. Oh. Addressing now, even though you are a crack fiend, mama. That's well, that's one of the lies from the thing. You are my black queen, mama. The glorious, basically, story of my life, more or less. And uh, and then you go to the angriest song ever recorded, ever, pretty much. Hit them up. Hit them up is like really is like if you want to know. You know how there are pictures in the dictionary next to words? If there were songs next to anger, it would be right there. You would have hit them up. Is the, a song that begin with the glorious lyric, I got no motherfucking friends, and then we'll end at some point with one of my favorite quotes of all times, with the fuck you and your motherfucking mama, which is, I believe, is how I ended an open letter to academia a few years ago quoting the immortal words of the poet Tupac Shakur but yeah so Tupac is fine you know there's uh, what is it in the hit them up there's another line that's like five shots couldn't stop me I took it and smile now I'm about to set the record straight with my AK glorious I want to cry in any case yeah it's uh, Tupac is fun he was a musical genius he was just a hell of an interesting human being Eminem you know, first time I heard Eminem, I was like, who is this stupid white guy? I don't like so him. Shady, he's, man. What are you saying? he's talking so much shit. And he was, you know, clearly Eminem says so many things that I disagree with at various points. He was in his phase where he was in this super anti-gay thing, which is, of course, is normal in the rap world. But it was still kind of like, hey, what the fuck? Attitudes toward women. I was like, ah, what the fuck? You know, there's so many things about rap culture that are kind of disturbing. And yet I started listening a little more to Eminem and I was like, you know what? I fucking like this guy. There's the, as much as I would like not to like him, I actually do. And there's uh, some of his songs are just... Um, actually, before I even get to Eminem, a couple of other random mentions. I'm not a fan of Snoop, but still, there's some stuff that's fucking hilarious. Like some of his style is just brilliant. I dig also some of the stuff that are not exactly rap. Like recently he made this sort of reggae meets rap with uh, Smoke the Weed, which is a brilliant song. So there's that. But even some of his more traditional stuff is fun. What's brown in rhymes with Snoop? We won't go there, but uh, or do we? We do? Hmm? Please do tell. Dr. Dre. Yeah, well, you got Dre's also. Did you see the trailer? There's a movie coming out. The NWA movie. Uh, what is Straight it? out of Compton? Straight out of Compton. I can't yeah. wait. I watched that trailer like 53 times straight. There's that scene where uh, in this trailer, check it out. If you guys want to see on YouTube, uh, Straight Out of Compton, in the trailer, there's this scene where there's uh, the police all pissed off with them. And it's like, the song F the police will not be played. You're not allowed to. And then you see Ice Cube going up and going like, Hey, Dre, you're trying to tell us what we can and cannot play. I got something to say. And you get the whole audience going, Fuck the police. Fuck the It's hilarious. It's like regardless of what your opinion of law enforcement is, it's just an hilarious scene. Yeah, um, it looks like it's going to be fun. Yeah. It's funny. You should mention that because in that trailer, there's that moment when... 
the five of them are together in a little recording studio and they're listening back to one of the first soon to be hits uh-huh. but they're the only people in the world who have ever heard that song yeah, put yeah, together yeah, and, yeah. and they're like woo and they're all those moments it. man yeah. those moments when it's you and your, your bros for the first time or that's yeah, life that's man. gold absolutely you're never going to repeat that yeah and i love that they captured that because yeah. you know they press playback and it's done there's nothing more oh, to yeah. be done to that. At that point is... Uh, no, in fact, I'm intrigued. I want to see the movie. I hope it's good. But uh, among other things, I, um, there's Italian rap, oddly enough. Wow, what's that like? There's, um, there's this dude that I like him. He actually... I met him. We became friends. He, um, he wrote a book with my dad. In Italy, he's like a superstar. He's like God, right? He's, uh, this guy, uh, his stage name is Giovanotti. He's um, he's really smart, actually. He's uh, really poetic. His lyrics are beautiful. Um, I dig him. Uh, I really dig him. And um, he he does rap, but not only rap. You know, he that's kind of how he started. He was primarily a rapper, and then he started weaving into other direction. In one of his latest records, he had uh, Ben Harper playing a tune in the background. He did some stuff that's clearly very far from his rap origins. But I dug it. Is um, he absolutely cannot sing word shit, which is kind of funny considering that he's the singer. But he's a great songwriter, that's for sure, and his lyrics are really awesome. And uh, and you know the thing is, most Italian singing kind of sucks, unless you're doing opera, sort of the traditional stuff where these guys are awesome. But most of the pop Italian music, I cannot tolerate the tiniest bit. I make well, an how exception. much U.S. pop music are you enjoying these days? I mean, I don't think any of it's good. More than really. Italy, I tell you that much. Right. But um, but yeah, no, Giovanotti is cool. So Italian rap for you. Uh, or if you want a more straight, you know, hardcore rap from Italy, 99 Posse, they were pretty badass. Stated from Naples. So it's not even Italian rap, it's Napolitan rap with an accent from that you guys probably can tell but for me is like so obviously different from my accent yeah it's, i could yeah i can yeah. imagine but eminem so back to eminem yeah i dig him man it's like there's something very and i know there's gonna be a bunch of people who say no he suck he's fake he sold out he's this he's an asshole he's whatever you know like any other opinion is like some people doesn't matter you know you don't dig him it doesn't matter but it's the thing that i dug was um the intensity the kind of rage behind it felt very real and felt uh, there's even some poetry in the way he would manage to express this very raw emotion. He kind of fed for me the the same reason why I like, uh, uh, you know, I love Mike V. I kind of had a little bit of the vibe listening to Eminem of just having a degree of, doesn't even matter if I agree with you or not. I appreciate the intensity and the... Uh, a raw quality of the emotions you are trying to convey. So um, I dug, let's see, what are some of my favorites? Uh, of course, Not Afraid, glorious song. Cleaning Out of My Closet, not bad at all. Uh, Disturbing as Hell, but Love the Way You Lie, very good. Uh, Guts Over Fear, great song. Lose Yourself, of course, but that's... Uh, I think my top five would be done, but no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to... Fuck five, I'll do top seven or something. Ooh, I'll bonus, do bonus yeah. tracks. Uh, Mockingbird is a great song. It's actually kind of sweet in an odd way about his daughter. 
And that's one thing that I like about Eminem, by the way. He could be, you know, kind of an asshole about certain things, and some of his opinions I would definitely disagree with. But he's always there for Haley. But man, the dude seriously loved his daughter big time. Yeah. That was the one thing that you would never doubt, no matter what. And and I dig that. I respect that. I a guy who's that passionate about being a father to his daughter, I yeah, it's like a familiar chord and I respect that. So even if I didn't like any of his shit, I would still respect that big time. It's funny, I boldly declared in nineteen eighty eight that this rap thing just wasn't gonna last very long. <laughs> so once again, I have my finger on the pulse. Yeah, you of got America. it, lad. You, you know, got I'm it. Working in a record store, yeah. I, you know, as thousands oh, of, of cassettes of Houdini and Run DMC were. Oh, Run running DMC. It. Yeah, oh, I listened yeah. to Run DMC. And even That's that was right. fun. And yeah. Public I, Enemy. You, Public Enemy. How can I forget Public Enemy? Yeah, that was fun. Um, they don't did last like the, long. Did you like but... the Beasties at all? Yeah, of course, Beastie Boys. Beastie... Yeah, in fact, that's why I'm like these dancers suck because I'm forgetting a ton of stuff. But yeah, Beastie Boys were fun, of course. And I was wrong, and I came around. You know, I really, I, I, I'm with you. There's a lot of it. I gotta admit, the hardcore gangster shit. I don't. No, really a lot get. of it. I don't get it. Yeah, it's angry. Ninety nine percent of rap sucks. It's clearly not made for me. And to be perfectly honest, 98% of any musical genre suck. And 99.99% of country sucks. You know, it's kind of like, it's minute difference in genre. There are the people you dig regardless of genre That's uh, that stand outside of genre. You know, it's like, but, uh, and then of course, among my, this is, there's a song by Eminem, uh, FAC, F-A-C-K, not as in F-U-C-K. And in um, the lyrics are just, you know, any song that contains the the subtle poetry of uh, a lyric that goes, shove a gerbil up your ass through a tube, which I realized one day when I was um, in my office hours at school at Santa Monica College, and uh, my door was open and I was playing that song. And that was the day when I was wondering why academics don't like me. And that, that's what I had to snap out of it and see myself from the outside and go like, have you ever listened to any of these guys who would listen to these? Or I'm like, yeah, I see the point. Okay, shove a gerbil up your ass through a tube would do it indeed. That would, may be problematic to explain to a few of, to a few of these folks. You just don't understand. Yeah, but in any case, so that's mailbag for this time around. And, um, oh, somebody had asked, sorry, I forgot who did. Somebody had asked regarding uh, experiences with float tanks. I mean, we mentioned a little bit before, but basically, you know, I had one way back in the day. I was uh, 16 years old back in Rome. And um, I think I was too distracted by the fact that there was random sexual tension with this girlfriend that I had at the time. And everything was about to go to shit in the most miserable way possible in ways that would traumatized me for a good decade afterwards so i was mildly distracted but the i did go for this one place they had in rome of flotation tanks long before anybody knew even what the hell flotation tanks were we're talking about so early in the game and um for 45 minutes i laid in there going the fuck 
you know when is when is the fun gonna start because yeah. you know i had all these expectations TikTok, about motherfucker you know i you know like when anytime you read about it or you get excited about oh you go in there and you find yourself oh what does that mean oh that sounds cool will i see you know and it's this crazy psychedelic experience that bring you and you know you go in there and i'm like okay i'm floating in water i'm still floating in water Where's, yep. where's the gong still floating in water and it's still dark when is the show gonna start you know and so for quite a while I was like this sucks this is like the worst disappointment on the planet ouch and then I relaxed a little bit I actually stepped out for a second I showered up a little and I was like okay you know fine I have a little time left let's go back in and the last I forgot 15 20 minutes whatever that was was awesome was great I was having uh I kind of went into this cool meditative state where it felt really good. I was really happy with it. I came out with a huge smile. And uh, so that gave me a little initial taste of uh, both the sort of disappointing initial part when you expect something to happen and really nothing happens. It's like deep meditation is nothing happens is eventually you, if you relax enough and you're not waiting for something to happen, you can slowly shift the state of consciousness. And that's then when um, Albert uh, Ohanian from Float Clinic invited us to go to Torrance at his place. And then we got to go together, and um, and that was fun, man. I had, um, um, I think it's the thing that in order to really benefit from, you probably need to do it semi-regularly, where you don't have, because even then I still had expectations, and by now I knew to have less, but I still had some. I think if you do that four, five, six times in a relatively short period of time, then you really get the experience because you're not carrying all this, what is it going to be like in your head. And um, so I had fun with this one time. Last time at Halberts was a lot, you know, I it was it's good meditation and it was even fun. It wasn't just good meditation. It was even like, I remember I was laughing my ass off in there. I don't remember why, but I thought there was something hilarious about the universe while floating in there. It was fun. I mean, it really... What you're saying is correct, though, I think, because, you know, I, I spent a good third of the time trying to figure out the correct floating position for myself. Well, you are also high beyond imagination, but... That's possibly true, but high on life. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's what it was. But once, you know, once you get your balls dangling correctly in the flotation, I mean, you're off and running, and it really was fun, and it really... And you're right. I think that's something that... If you did do it every couple of weeks, you could get into that sort of yeah. pocket a lot quicker. And I think by the end of it, when the when the crazy tones came creeping through the speakers, um, I was quite nicely floating through the universe at that point. And to the point where we got so intrigued with the whole thing that now there are discussion with Albert, like Rich was thinking maybe of seeing if there's a possibility to see if he can open something close to where he lives. I know Albert was thinking of opening up something in the Silver Lake area in LA and have uh, maybe even working with Duncan, maybe even me. Let's see what's going on, you know. But it could be, I don't know. I'll keep you guys updated on what could come out of that. Because I'm excited about the possibilities of the, the. My one advice, if you've never done it, is throw all expectation out the window. Don't expect anything to happen. Don't expect. Go in with zero expectation. You're not paying that much anyway. Its floats are relatively cheap. And uh, Albert is the cheapest I've ever seen. He was charging like 45 bucks or something. But even the other ones, they don't go that high. Yep. 
And so just go with the idea that let's just see what happens. Zero expectation. And the less expectations you carry with you, the easier it's going to be to actually have a good experience. And so that would be my advice about the whole thing. Well, and the other interesting thing about it is the whole Epsom thought, Epsom salt you know, consideration mm-hmm. that that alone is enough to kind of open you up and, and get your yep. body to breathe properly, you know, down on a more molecular level. And it's just nice to float. It's just nice for your joints to relax for a minute and not have any stressors. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Like physically being so in zero I think gravity. For, for, it's... For especially folks with maybe hip injuries or oh, yeah. bad knees or something like that. Back. You are really going to enjoy it. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I guess a couple of other warnings is if you're mildly claustrophobic, it may be a good idea to keep in mind where the exit is. So because once you close it, it becomes pitch black where you have no idea where anything is. So if you have that kind of apprehension, you can leave it open for a little bit until they are comfortable floating in there with the little bit of light that come from outside. And then when you're ready, you close it, you know where it's at and all is good. And, um, oh, and of course, keep your fingers away from your eyes. I I had been warned and somehow I forgot and just shoved the water in my eyes and that water will sting if it goes in your eyes. You mean that water with 1,800 pounds of salt? Yeah, all in yeah. stings just a tad. But um, yeah. despite yeah. that, I still have a great time. So all is good. Viva la float tank! Yes, indeed. So there we have it, everybody. Another episode, a talky, chatty episode, an evening-recorded episode, as the vagina fiend himself, Daniele Bellelli, is going to close this one down for us. I want to dedicate this episode to the, of the Drunken Taoist to a lovely segment of humanity that deserves my everlasting thanks, admiration, whatever else you may want to add to the list. Specifically, I want to thank all women who have been kind enough to have me as a guest in their vagina at some point. I must say it has been an honor and a pleasure, and I'm forever thankful for your hospitality. It was quite generous of you. Truly, I hope there's a heaven, because you you need to be rewarded for your you're doing the lord's work and my appreciation for you shall never cease so again thank you thank you thank you you've been doing beautiful things okay guys would be very sweet if you can show some send some love our way and you know yeah love kind email form is always appreciated loving good reviews on itunes most definitely yes we are a what 558 last time I checked. So five star rating, baby. Yeah. Someone loves us. Thank you very much. We deeply appreciate it. So those of you guys, the remaining 14,000 of you guys who listen, please add um, or whatever many. I'm kind of pulling numbers out of my ass, but yeah, not, not if totally. you, yeah, if you can add uh, reviews to iTunes, that would be very sweet. And also um, donations. This time we're recording back to back episodes, so I have no names that I can fuck up because there hasn't been enough time from the last one to this one. But of course, donations are always deeply, deeply appreciated. 
Um, I'm actually working on doing something that could be as um, I, I'm playing around with establishing a non-profit. So some of your donations, if you decide to drop something, that could be actually tax deductible. But I'll let you know how that works out. If Church of Bellelli is finally going to happen. I can't the, wait. I get to be. I get to be Regent Viceroy. Yeah. Anything less than Master God would be insulting. Ooh, no, but the Amazon link. Seriously, man, that's like the easiest way to support us. And the only thing you got to do is remember to actually use it when you everybody shops on Amazon. Actually, let me take that back. Uh, we really only have a setup for US. So there are people who have asked, hey, what about with Canada? What about it? It's, I don't know why Amazon made it really complicated to establish those. So I'm working on it, but it requires some technical expertise that's kind of beyond me. So I'm trying to figure out how to make it happen. For right now, it's just US, but that's still a hell of a lot of you guys. So if whenever you shop Amazon, please remember to go through our link. You don't spend an extra dime and you help as a whole bunch. Daoist Lecture Series has been in stores. I've received several emails from people who dig it. So thank you guys so much. I'm happy you do. Uh, Coracao Chocolate, Audible. Audible, you get, uh, what is it? month free something like that so it's uh, other after that is $15 a month you get to try it for the first month free so you can use all the codes the discount everything is in the episode notes so use those if you are thinking of that you need any of this uh, thank you to Daisy House Music for letting us use what has become from the get-go our um, intro music and outro for the matter Anything, uh, Kiva? What's, um... Kiva continues to climb and climb. We invite you all to join your 170 friends who are already members of the Team Drunken Taoist and uh, helping folks around the world with microloans to help them get a cow, a sheep, a water pump, something for their community. Even folks in the U.S. can benefit. You can help children pay for their college. It's a lot of way to help folks out that could use a hand. And uh, if you're looking a little uh, in need of a shave, be sure to click on uh, harrys.com. Get $5 off of your first order if you put the secret code DAO, T-A-O, in the discount code box in the checkout. So get yourself cleaned up, and we'll see you next week. Beautiful. Maybe. So ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio 
Duncan showed you the way, yeah? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> That's yeah. the word.